Hey guys, it's Jess with a quick soundbite. I have um, a topic I think we don't talk about very often to discuss today, and it's been coming up a couple of times in the last um, couple of weeks, so I think this is a good time to kind of discuss it, and it's about pain. Probably some of you are doing some pain management training um, at the moment or coming up soon for your licensure renewal requirements. I will say... My thoughts today on pain and thinking back to when I just recently did my pain management course, very disappointing, the information that I received, um, because it really doesn't touch on the areas that I think we are seeing in our type of a setting, which to be fair, we're not really the majority. But um, I think that I'm finding more and more of my patients are experiencing various types of pain and discomfort, particularly my autistic patients with poor regulation and poor language um, because they can't tell us. Um, and I think especially when we have an office of diagnosis on the list of diagnoses, other medical professionals and parents included are often quick to say, well, but it's autism. So therefore this. So obviously he's doing that. So obviously he's doing that. Um, I'm thinking particularly about a patient that I'm seeing right now who is autistic Luckily for this kid, mom is a very wonderful, supportive, kind of trauma-focused social worker um, who is really in tune with his patterns of interaction. He recently, in the last couple of months, just started becoming very dysregulated and has been getting progressively worse where engagement is suffering and he just can't organize himself to initiate any tasks, which before he was at least doing somewhat. Granted, this wasn't like a huge, huge difference because that was a hard thing for him anyways. But what mom's seeing is a lot more paper tearing at home um, to the point where she said she was vacuuming multiple times a day. So he's shredding paper and tissues and then throwing them in the air, which is one of his stims he enjoys. He was um, starting to jump and land on the tops of his feet. Uh, to the point that he was causing bruising and um, requesting a lot more baths, which is usually his go-to when he's upset, where she's like, we could barely get him out of the bath. He was taking five, six baths a day sometimes. So mom's like, something's going on. So she starts pushing the doctors. Um, one avenue they explored was ear infections because for a while he was bringing um, her to his ears and having him having her look at his ears. And sometimes he did have an ear infection. We suspect now probably from all the baths, but um, they would treat the ear infection. Things would get a little bit better, but then they would start coming back again. All these, you know, behaviors that looked like autism, right? But mom kind of knew this is something different. Then they started exploring possible reflux because he started making himself burp to um, quite an extreme where, I mean, I would hear it maybe 50 times in a session. Um, And they... Obviously, they're not going to really test a kid, scope a kid like that because it would be very traumatic for him. But they said, let's put him on some medication for acid reflux. And that made a huge improvement in his overall symptoms. But it was still happening, just not as often. And sleep was really, really bad. And so mom kept pushing. And then they said, could he be having migraines? And he had previously been on a medication for migraine prevention, which they weaned him off of about a year ago. So they put him back on that, and she said it is a night and day difference. Um, On top of that, they're also now treating him for pain. So they are giving him ibuprofen and Tylenol at home. And he, when I saw him this week, it was the first time in probably months that I felt like, okay, that was a successful session. 
that was a much more regulated version of my patient, a patient who was initiating ideas and engaging in meaningful play, um, not just kind of wandering aimlessly or becoming distressed or constantly asking to leave. Um, and I think had it not been for mom being super uh, insightful, I don't know that he would have ever gotten to a point where at least they know something is bothering him. They aren't 100% sure what it is, but they know that he needs something to support his pain. Um, when I think back even more, um, you know, longer term, I had a patient I was working with, and he was also autistic, but um, not quite as impacted as this patient I just spoke about. He had language, even though it was really impaired, really actually quite good engagement, just lots of rigidity. And really, when you look at him, he presented more like extremely low tone, poor co- uh, coordination, decreased cognition. Um, he didn't really present like an autistic patient necessarily, but he did have an autism diagnosis. Um, but for him, his parents would blow him off also because um, he tended to be a little sluggish. They used the term lazy, which of course I don't like. He was very low tone and extremely weak and motor planning coordination were, I mean, just awful. Um, so he obviously resisted many tasks that were presented to him that his parents felt he should be able to do and that he was just being lazy because he just didn't want to do it. Then he started complaining a lot about him being tired. I'm too tired. I'm too tired. My legs hurt. My legs hurt. And after a while, you know, mom and dad, they heard it for so long, they started to be like, okay, this is just an excuse because you're always doing it when something is hard. And he probably did do it more often when things were hard. There probably were times when he was interested in something, but he would push through it. But many years later, we find out through, and I forget how, I think he actually, he, they discovered this because his eye basically swelled shut and through seeing specialists and trying to figure out like what was wrong with it, they figured out he has an immune disorder um, and he's having like arthritis and types of pain like that. So I, then I thought back and I'm like, no wonder he basically hated doing everything and he really was probably experiencing pain and the parents were very quick to blow him off and be like, okay, Jackson, you're fine. Just move on. Um, and they still actually do that, unfortunately. And then... More recently, we had a patient reach out to us, um, and the mom's first question was, my son, who is autistic, and we've been seeing him for a little while now, um, has been walking on his toes. This is like a new thing, but it's happening all the time. Can you work on this in OT? We want to stop. And so now that I've had these other experiences with those other patients that I talked about, I thought to myself, okay, this is a sudden change. This might not be sensory. This might very well be pain. This might be some kind of discomfort or some other thing going on that he can't tell us because he doesn't have the language or the interception abilities or the sensory processing abilities. So I asked her, has anything else changed? And come to find out this started about three or four days after he had received a COVID diagnosis. So then I got to thinking, well, okay, we know body aches and muscle pain can be symptoms of COVID. So I said, I think you should follow up with your doctor and let them know there has been a distinct change in his demeanor and you think he might be experiencing pain and how can I help support him? Um, I didn't obviously give her more specifics because that's kind of out of our um, scope of practice, but my thinking is she should be probably giving him ibuprofen or Tylenol, something to help with the aches and pains. Um, And those are kind of nonspecific feelings too. So if you're thinking about our kids with autism or sensory processing disorder, and language issues, 
Like, where am I hurting? Why is it hurting? How is it hurting? And then how do I tell you and communicate to you? And through these experiences, what I, I'm seeing this pattern of is um, medical professionals and adults are really quick to say, oh, well, they're autistic. Obviously, they're stimming. And I think a lot of our patients are using stims to regulate themselves, which could be a sensory response. It could be an emotional response, and it can also be a pain response. So I think we have to think about that as we are looking at this, because we're often looking at, you know, the regulation and sensory lens. And we don't always think about the medical lens, because that's not really, you know, in our scope necessarily, as far as like, you know, pain and potential medical issues that are, could be contributing. But we have to remember that there's a lot of overlap here. Um, and they're actually, as I dug into the research a little bit, there are lots of studies talking about the difference in pain and um, illness in autistic patients and how little knowledge there really is about how things present in our autistic patients. So for example, um, my one patient was explaining to me that like reflux, for example, has different red flags in an autistic patient or in a child who's not verbal versus a typical child, a child who can tell us information or an adult. Um, and I'm blanking now, of course, I think it was ear pain with some of them, but there's different red flags. And so our kids might be presenting in different ways. So it's just something we have got to keep tucked back in our mind that maybe pain or discomfort is part of it and not to rule that out. And if you really do suspect there might be something going on, support the family and pushing the doctors to um, pursue it because they do definitely get some pushback there. If you have any questions or if you have any thoughts on that, feel free to share. Thanks.